Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. I'm Devin Katayama, and you're listening to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. Overdose deaths from fentanyl and opioid synthetic have risen during the pandemic. In Santa Clara County, the victims are getting younger, and many parents say they wish they'd known more about fentanyl sooner. Had we been aware of the issue um, and on how widely it's actually affecting youth, we would have been able to be there in a kind of a different way. Today why more young people have been taking fentanyl, and what we can do about it. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. When COVID-19 hit, I was thinking ahead, sadly, to what I expected. We'd see a huge surge in deaths. Julie Small is a criminal justice reporter for KQED. We requested death data from all Bay Area counties. The most complete data that we got back was from San Francisco, Alameda, and Santa Clara County. They're very high in San Francisco. 396 people died of fentanyl-related overdoses last year. And since then, the county has estimated it's much higher than that, well over 500 people. Alameda County is also seeing a rise in fentanyl-related deaths. Uh, They rose 29% last year. 62 people in that county died of fentanyl. And in Santa Clara County, what jumped out at us was this increase in in, uh, fentanyl deaths was very sudden, and also the age of the victims was very young. In Santa Clara County, it became evident how many of those overdoses involved fentanyl, a deadly 
opioid that has been spreading in this country is, and into the West Coast in the form of fake prescription pills. Can you actually remind me what exactly is fentanyl and why is it so deadly? Fentanyl is a synthetically manufactured opioid. It is 50 times stronger than heroin and 100 times stronger than morphine. It has flooded this country uh, in recent years because it's cheap to manufacture. Two milligrams of fentanyl can kill you. It's a very, very small amount. And, um, you know, it's, it's getting mixed in with powders like baking soda and food coloring to look like something. And there's no control over how much fentanyl is ending up in there. There's, it's not a scientific approach at all to creating these fake drugs. In Santa Clara County, I think I started out, as a lot of people do, thinking, oh, fentanyl is something that people are actively seeking. They go to the dealer and they say, I want my fentanyl pill. No, that is not what is happening. People are saying, I want a Xanax. I want something far more innocuous for a little buzz, a little high. And what they're getting is this deadly opioid and they're dying. I know you talked with some families who've lost loved ones. Can you tell me about one of them? So Otto is a tech executive from Silicon Valley, and we're not using his full name because he has younger children. He wants to protect their privacy, and also he wants to protect an ongoing investigation into his son's death. He was 17, um, about two month, months uh, shy of becoming 18. His son was a very gregarious, uh, talented high school athlete, full of life, exuberant, made friends quickly. He was born in Europe and, and you know, we moved a lot, uh, but, but he also, at any given time, you know, when we went to a new country, so he would quickly become like the center of the social circles. During the pandemic, he became very bored. You know, he was at home like so many uh, students were, young people uh, with nothing to do, not being able to see his friends. He started to experiment with pills and Otto had become aware that his son was addicted. The isolation, um, I, th I think it was just, of course, that has an impact on everyone. He actually got him into rehab and a 30-day rehab program Two days after completing that rehab, he relapsed. He took a pill that he thought, assumed, was a prescri prescription um, um, pill or opioid. And, um, and it did contain fentanyl, um, and that's been confirmed. It's, it's very unlikely um, that he knew it, it contained fentanyl. Otto's just a really gentle person and he's been very brave in the way that he speaks to me just very you know kind of factual and measured um but it's clear you know he's grieving deeply and i would also say that you know in that last year covid happened um and and it affected this whole globe it affected everyone on this planet um including him and um, and and you know i think it compounded his his situation, and, uh, and I think that partially is to blame. In what ways, other than the boredom that you mentioned at the beginning of his story, did the pandemic play into what happened to him? 
You know, he got into rehab. That was the struggle to get him in. And then uh, when he relapsed, his father tried to get him back into a, that program. It was full. The outpatient therapy in, his, in their area was full. Even if it hadn't been full, it would have been virtual only. And that's, that's one of the ways in which the pandemic affected so many other people. Their access to medical care was restricted. Otto's son is one of many people who've died of fentanyl overdoses recently during the pandemic. What, what factors have made this more likely during the pandemic? People are more likely to take these drugs alone. Uh, School-age children have more time, access to the internet, Snapchat, other social media sites where they can get these drugs really quickly. As a, oh, hey, this is a legitimate prescription pill you can get for just 20 bucks. It's Percocet or it's Xanax and they can order it and have it delivered to their home in a way that there's no way their parent would know. I mean, uh, let's face it. I mean, we were already in an epidemic in, in this nation with drug uh, overdoses. So one of the people I spoke to was Myra Parway Chamel. She directs addiction medical services for Santa Clara County. She said Santa Clara County was definitely seeing an increase in fentanyl-related deaths in 2019. It was already starting to go up, but that the pandemic accelerated that trend. Our youngest kid who have died is 12 years old, overdosed in fentanyl. From ages 12 through the ages of 20s, 26-year-olds, are seeing um, a good portion of this. So for people like Shamel, what are things that can be done to prevent this from happening? You know, one of the things that they recommend right off the bat is to, you know, to try to catch addiction early, you know, and to try to catch this experimental phase early. Lock up your drugs if you're a parent and you have any kind of medication in the house, prescription medication, that's where it starts. Shamel and a lot of these parents now have formed these groups. There's, there's a big push to educate other parents and kids. One of the things that we started as our goal was to uh, provide um, immediate treatment by providing naloxone, which is, as you know, it's a medication that uh, reverses overdose. So Narcan is the brand name for naloxone, and it is an amazing, life-saving um, chemical. It, it, it's available now in a nasal spray that um, most counties will make available for free to the public. Uh, that's, the tr that's the case in Santa Clara County. You can find it. A lot of pharmacists will give it to you for free. Um, it's easy to learn how to use. And what it does is it, it interferes with the op opioid. A naloxone kit um, is available to all Santa Clara County residents for free. I highly advise the families and friends um, to have one of those handy with them. Otto did not know about Narcan. He didn't know that was something he needed to know how to use. Uh, he said, you know, if he'd, if he'd known about fentanyl, that he would have responded to all of it differently. I would say that there is there is a kind of a lack of awareness of this issue, um, you know, in the general population um, among youth and, and also like um, among parents and, and so on. We need to do everything in order to, you know, increase that. And so we've been talking about the prevention side of of this conversation, but I also know that you know there's there's investigations, there's data tracking, there's there's this other side that's also trying to stop 
this crisis at this moment. So what do the investigations look like into, you know, fentanyl-related crimes? I spoke to Deputy District Attorney Brian Buckaloo in the Santa Clara County uh, District Attorney's Office. He's in charge of the narcotics unit. In the past, across California, a lot of these were closed as um, dead body cases, 1055s, case closed immediately. There's a few changes that they've made to to accurately track uh, overdose deaths and, act, and, and to be able to prosecute them. One is that, you know, they've basically had to educate law enforcement to be able to recognize the signs of a death from fentanyl. Because if somebody, a lot of people in, have died of overdoses, it's, it's, it's labeled an accident and, you know, their body is sent to the mortuary and that's that. If they know this person probably died of fentanyl, then they, they run tests, they keep, you know, blood samples, urine samples, they can get back a toxicology report faster, they can move faster to try to find that dealer who's actively selling this deadly fentanyl to other people. There are different types of um, drug ecosystems in different counties. So San Francisco's fentanyl trade is largely um, in pill form. You see a lot of folks smoking it on tinfoil. What we're seeing in Santa Clara County is a whole different cohort. We have a lot of young users experimenting. When you look at the fatal fentanyl ODs in Santa Clara County, the great majority of them are from fake pills. What do you think the story says about the opioid crisis specifically, which we know was a big problem before the pandemic and increasingly becoming a problem? Uh, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. It says that it's getting worse. It says that we need to do more. We need to think about it differently. I mean, um, a lot of the emphasis is on um, you know, intervention with, with uh, drug addiction or treatment of drug addiction, but as you know, a lot of these kids are dying before there's anything that to be treated. I mean, I guess I'll just borrow because I feel like I learned a lot from the parents that I spoke with. And that is that, you know, you, you need to think of this as a different thing. People tend to think, oh, that's that's an addict's problem. It's not my problem. Um, I'm never going to have to deal with that. But boy, um, wake up. <laughs> It sounds like the last year of Otto's son's life is such a small part of his life. How does Otto remember him? Well, he wants his son to be remembered as a person who saw, who traveled all over the world with the family, who was just really bright and charismatic and friendly and a loyal friend, a very gifted athlete, you know, had a future in professional sports. Um, and just a, a great kid who, you know, in his last year of life had some trouble, you know, and probably in another time might have grown out of that, you know, had this not happened. We think of all these other things and uh, all the richness and, um, and, and the greatness that he had in his life. So, so, uh, so that's not, you know, that last year is not how we, that, that's not what defines him at all. Julie, thank you very much for speaking with us. Thank you, Devin. There are places that you can go to learn more about opioid addiction and the help that's available in your area. One of these is the website choosechangeca.org. That's choosechangeca.org. 
We'll also leave you a link to that and to more resources in our episode notes. Thanks to Julie Small, criminal justice reporter for KQED. This story was also reported with help from the Documenting COVID-19 Project at Columbia University's Brown Institute for Media Innovation. This episode was edited and mixed by Erica Cruz Guevara and Alan Montecilio. Shailen Martos is our production assistant. Isa Mendoza writes our Friday newsletter. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it from us to you. Talk to you later. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.